he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Volatified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. I'm Anthony Volata, and I'm here as I am every week with the very lovely, very delicious Alex <laughs> Epostolidis. Hey, Alex! Hello! I love being delicious. Thank you. you it's are. my favorite thing. In fact, everyone on our panel today is delicious. We Absolutely. are just a bunch of delicious people from SDSU. And who we have with us is Todd Hale, Charlene Liu, and Adrian Foster from the SDSU HTM and MEM programs. Hi, kids. Hi. Hey there. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. It's Tuesday. I'm in Florida. It's sunny over here, and the temperature is wonderful. I should be doing this outside, actually, now that I think about it. Yes, I, I could be <laughs> doing the same thing. And so could you, Todd, yes? Should oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, Anthony, that it's uh, sunny in San Diego. It's uh, beautiful right now. It is a pretty, pretty day. Sorry, Adrian. I'm jealous. <laughs> in Oregon, it's rainy and gray. But yesterday, we had a gorgeous, full double rainbow. So that kind of makes the rain worth it. And, the and if I may, the, the, the light in the Northwest, having lived up there for four years, I lived in Seattle, even when it's gray, it's such a beautiful lavender gray that mm-hmm. it, it's, it's breathtakingly beautiful. I never knew that gray could be so pretty. <laughs> Um, you know, also those long days in summer, those long mm. summer days up there are fabulous when the sun doesn't go down to like 930. Those are the best. Yeah, those are really incredible days. Um, here in San Diego, it's it never, the, the variance isn't really that great, you know? Like the sun is barely up at six now and we're getting <laughs> closer to the, you know, the time change. It's like, please. It's and then it gets dark so early. Do you agree, Todd, or am I? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I would say too that because the sun's so much lower to the earth, it's super bright in the morning driving in. Super bright, yeah. That's why we all get up so gosh darn early here on the east, on the west coast. <laughs> so um, let's hear a little bit about yourselves, if you don't mind. And why don't we start with Todd? Todd, you're here in San Diego, and you work for what do you do? So I'm the uh, Chief Operating Officer and General Manager of San Diego Country Club, which is a small golf club of 500 members, uh, about four or five minutes south of downtown San Diego. It's a historic property, 125 years old. Uh, there are a lot of people that show up uh, on PGA Tour that get ready for their tournaments, especially the Masters that comes in April. A uh, very social club, but not a typical country club. It's more of a golf club, even though the name is Country Club. So it's, it's basically clubhouse and golf but there's no tennis, no fitness, no swim. Uh, and so we are more golf centric than, than most, which is a different operating business model for uh, the country club environment than, than maybe you'd see nationwide. Um, I like the niche because 
it gives you the opportunity to focus and do things well on a more finite scale than trying to be all things to all people. So it's been a, it's been a blessed journey to me uh, to get to this point in my life. Thank you for sharing. Charlene. Hi. So um, I am a corporate meeting planner and I work for an organization called the National Council on Compensation Insurance. Sounds kind of intense, but we are <laughs> really within the realm of the workers' comp insurance industry. Uh, we have about 900 employees based in Boca Raton, Florida. I, because of my lucky travel status, was able to turn into a remote employee and live in um, Tampa, Florida right now. So um, what I do is I work um, in a team of six individuals that really focuses on the meetings and events for the organization. Uh, right now, we are heavy into planning our annual conference, which is in May in Orlando, with about um, a, usually a thousand attendees. We are actually reducing capacity just a little bit this year, um, just to be cognizant, obviously, of the environment. So um, we're gearing up for that. We're very happy. This is our first major in-person event in the past couple of years, um, and we're all just kind of clearing the cobwebs a little bit. So that's been a really interesting process in the past couple of months, um, just trying to get our heads back on as to how it is to be in front of each other. Tomorrow, actually, I'm heading on a site visit with my team, and I haven't, I think all six of us have not been together ever because we've had some new hires. So it's a little bit of going to be an interesting dynamic over the next couple of days. So yeah, that's how it is over on my side. Thank you. Thank you. I have so many questions for both of you already. <laughs> but we'll ask Adrienne to tell us what she does. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, so I am an event manager for a company called VTM Group. Um, stands for Vital Technical Marketing, but we usually just go by VTM. Um, I'm on a team of four people, um, recently expanding to five. So any um, event coordinators looking for a job in Oregon, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> um, so That's we manage, know. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we manage technical consortia and um, standards that are setting organizations um, or SSOs. So um, our clients basically are setting standards in the tech capacity. So USB, PCI, HDMI. Um, uh, when I started my job, I thought they were like just cords, which is a silly thing to say, but they're massive no, standards organizations. <laughs> Um, so it's been a fascinating world uh, to learn about. I've been here for three years now. Um, it's exciting when it's non-COVID times, we get to travel the world. Um, some of my big conferences are in Tokyo, Taipei, Tel Aviv, Munich. Um, currently, we're keeping our fingers crossed for Tel Aviv and Munich in the fall. Um, Seems like Asia probably won't open yet, but um, we've been back to in-person workshops since last July in the Bay Area. So I go to San Francisco often, and then um, we're gearing up for a couple of the conferences this summer in Santa Clara and in Seattle. So it's an exciting time right now. We usually are working on about 10 events per person at any given time. <laughs> wow. So let, let me start with you, Adrian. Your clients are, are who? USB is one of our, they're our largest clients. <laughs> um, it's called USBIF is the technical name for them. 
Um, and so basically our clients will be run by usually by a voluntary board of directors. And then um, our company manages different aspects for them. So we have um, membership management, account managers, our events team. We have an internal PR team. We have some engineers in house if needed, <laughs> depending on the organization, they might utilize them to come in and help with the compliance workshop, um, finance admin, basically anything that a, an org could need outside of a board of directors, we can handle that for them. And they're a trade organization with members that pay fees? Yes. Dues? Yep. Um, most of them are nonprofits. Got it. Mm -hmm. And who are your clients, Charlene? Is it the entire organization and are you doing all of the planning? Right. So, um, yeah, we just plan internally. We don't really plan for other organizations. Um, the way that my company works is we are what you call like the rate making organization for several states. So in 36 states mm -hmm. um, and jurisdictions, so that includes D.C., uh, we um, take in a lot of the workers can't or workers comp data from claims that are submitted and turn that data over and turn that into what we would say is a recommended rate of workers comp you know for that specific state so our customers essentially are various insurance carriers like you're talking about like travelers or liberty mutual etc that write workers comp policies in those states mm -hmm. so they have to pay us fees to to you know to operate to help that state come up with those um, rates so they are considered our customers um, regulators of the various states are considered our customers as well um, we do dive into other areas of insurance that believe me i don't understand things that come out of my mouth <laughs> when it comes to insurance so i will not bore this um, audience with that but it's so interesting the intricacies of this little niche of insurance and how um, the ripple effect of how it is so we really only operate for um, NCCI which is the acronym for my company and we only uh, plan events for them so you're the reason my rates went up 27 percent we actually don't set the rates for California Todd. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> California is its own, does its own. So we are not part of the California rate making. <laughs> so let me, I can set that straight. And Todd, what is the stake? Uh, what is the stake in it for the for the uh, the club? Why are you taking this course, and how does it help you? And what is the what does the club do other than sell uh, foursomes? Yeah, so I, I'm kind of on a little bit of a different journey than I think most that are in this program. Um, the, 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 I'm in the HTM program, whereas the young ladies with us are in the MEM programs. And so mine is more of the hospitality management. So the big thing that uh, most of us get out of this in this program is, is the leadership aspect of it. It's the actual um, managing people. It's um, some of the other garnering, like right now we're in a marketing class, as, as the three of you know, and and we're learning ways to position ourselves, like what's our why, the golden circle, those kinds of things. But for me, in particular, when you're asking me the question, is I'm I'm kind of in a different realm of my career where I'm trying to see if this program, this master's program, can possibly take me out of operations, which is what I've been doing for 27 years, and try to maybe take it into an educational platform, 
or look at some other avenues where I could possibly be forming my own little LLC on mentorship, coaching, leadership, um, speaking engagements. I'm also looking at the Club Manager Association of America, which I'm really, really involved with. So it's our association of club managing leaders throughout the country of private clubs, but it's not just general managers. It's um, all professionals and all department heads throughout the industry uh, where we lean on some of the uh, resources, if you will, with that. And I think there may be an opportunity I'm trying to explore to see if there's a side hustle or side gig, if you will, on that aspect for myself as well. So there's, it's one of these things where I'm, again, a little bit different in most in this journey, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of using my, my, I'm inner, my inner Simon Sinek here, um, <laughs> which I can get into in a little bit later on, on what has resonated with me both, but that's really kind of my space right now. So a um, little clarification here, the MEMs, the meeting and event management master's degree is what Charlene and Adrian and I are pursuing and Todd is pursuing the hotel and tourism management master's degree. And that is about more about leadership and about running an organization. Sometimes I feel like I should be in that, in that cohort, but I'm not quite uh, sure. Well, I, I, Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm sure there's an overarching theme or that we're all going to get to, which is really the inner intertwined uh, realm of what this does for all of us and, and kind of what are we getting out of it, right? I mean, I'm sure that's probably one of the things you were going to ask us. I don't mean to usurp what you're trying to do with, with the program here, but go for I, it. It's a conversation. Honestly, that the greatest thing that I've seen come from this program is the interconnectivity between the two programs the learning aspect of it, the non-competition of each other, the sharing of ideas, um, things like that. I mean, even the congeniality that I saw in that first week really resonated with me. And even just the four of us sitting here, you know, chatting about things is really kind of the heart and soul of what I believe has been really massively beneficial, regardless of whether we're in two different programs. I'm going to debate you on the non-competition because I, I okay. always want to win. <laughs> Whatever it is we're doing, I will always innately, Todd, always try to be. <laughs> but I, I'm going to echo um, Todd's sentiments. I think, honestly, for me, it's all about the relationship building. Um, you know, it was, it literally felt like, you know, we were all reverting back to the first day of school, right? Mm -hmm. So we all revert back to the first day of school for that first day we were on campus. Um, and I have to tell you, it felt way better than I ever thought any first day of school could be because here we all, here we all are, whether we were in the meeting and event management program or the HTM side, we all had this common thread of being within a, a hospital, hospital, it could feel a hospital, something like a hospitality type setting and experience, right? So also we had gone through a year and a half of the pandemic and we were not operating as we all usually would. So we use that opportunity to connect with people when we haven't connected with people even in within our own spaces. So I think all of us were just yearning so much for 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 all of that, for that that touch point with each other as well. We didn't realize it. But we came out of it understanding that this that was a once in a lifetime experience because mm -hmm. not only are we starting a master's program together, 
we haven't really interacted with people face to face for a long time. And then we're, we're, we just started this incredible journey. And that is the biggest um, takeaway I've had so far is my relationships. I mean, I don't see Todd a lot, but now every time I see Todd, I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I just feel so comfortable. I don't feel any of that awkward first person encounter. And then Adrian and I, you know, we, we went on a trip together across the world a couple, uh, a month or a month ago, a month yeah. or two ago. Seriously. And we're, wow. Right. So we, um, we went to Dubai, you know, for SDSU. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Yes. Right. So it was <gasps> right. It was oh. an incredible experience and I would never have gone anywhere without another, you know, um, master student and Adrian and I, you know, had such an incredible time and experience. It was we're bonded for life now. We are. I mean, <laughs> I'm so that. jealous. I wanted to <laughs> go on that trip so badly yeah. and I just didn't make it and happen. It worked out for the best though, I think. Were you gonna say Alex? I was gonna say, and why why didn't you? Why did you choose not to? Was it during our crazy season? Well <laughs> it was right at the beginning of the year as I remember. Yeah, okay. We were going to Florida and then coming back on the fourth. And I think I would have made some changes. And as it turns out, Lucy was not well. So it would not have been a good thing, but I was dying. I'm still dying to go. (laughs) I have a question about the two different programs and, you know, I'm such a novice at what you guys are doing and studying because I'm not in the program. Uh, are the programs run similarly? I know the MEM program in the beginning, especially there was a lot of introspection. You really had to kind of study how you react, how you, is that the same with the HTM program? Because I know you mentioned Simon Sinek, who I love. And I know Anthony's been reading Brene Brown, who I love. So curious about that. Well, I think, again, I don't know because I don't see the MEM side of it, but basically we're, we're taking more or less the same classes, okay. uh, but we have different instructors for a couple and some we have the same. So I think there's probably some similarities in, say, the marketing aspect of it right now we're doing, but there may have been differences in the leadership side because you had uh, a young lady who was the MPI head who was teaching them versus I had. Uh, one of the directors uh, who specialized in hospitality management do it that way. So I think, again, I'm assuming here because I don't know their side of it, but that's kind of where it was. However, that all being said, the beauty of the program was it kind of set us up to understand that there's a lot of similarities going on and that we are able to intertwine and interconnect certain aspects of the learning process, including the end when we start to do our capstone or our thesis, if you will, that'll occur in the fall. And then when we get to our final on-campus week, which again, we come back together and probably share some, some ideology. So that's kind of, to me, where more of the difference and similarities are. So then I'm having, an, I'm having a hard time understanding why we're separated, uh, especially when I look at um, some of the marketing materials that we, we're being given, some of the videos and examples. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, because we're not getting examples that are event samples. They're usually bigger brands, you know, and so... If that's the case for everyone, don't you wonder too why we're separated? Any thoughts, Adrian? I don't think that marketing is separated. Mandy's doing all of right. it. It was supposed to be Mandy and Vince, but now Mandy's doing it for both of us. So we're all getting the same content. Leadership was different. I don't know if you guys read different books than we did, um, but it, I think that's that was the main course where it was really different for both, really, uh, <laughs> quote unquote, um, different for each cohort. Yeah, I think the the, prof- the the instructors 
are the ones that are differentiated. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we did read the same books, right? I mean, t- am I correct? Yes. Did you read Dare to Lead as well as 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 Good to Great? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. So I think the the syllab- syllabi, thank you, are the same, <laughs> but the emphasis and the teachings from it are a little different based on the instructor. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting, though. I still wonder why that we can't just be one cohort. I know. You know. I would love to see Todd every two weeks. Yeah. I know. I don't get why the calls have to be separate. For us. Well, I was wondering. Yeah, I was thinking maybe reaching out to Mandy and saying, "Hey, let's just do one call. If it's just yeah. one, if it's just her, just do one, and we all mm-hmm. see each other. Make it easy yeah. on on everyone." And yeah. you seem you guys- very well loved. <laughs> <laughs> I Todd think, represents I think HTM. Yeah. yeah, I think you're hitting on something here, though, that may be part of the bob and weave through this program. And re- recall too, Anthony and Lady, this, you know, I'm HTM nine, you're you're MTM MEM three, so right. it's very new. We're inside of ten years of what a master's in hospitality means, and I think that as it evolves, it may go into that level. Part of might be the issue too, Anthony is there's 30 of them and 20 of me there's 50 and when they started there was like nine or 10 or 12 so right there may be something where they're kind of seeing that split and then we give them feedback to say hey to charlene's point man let's get on these calls together because as we move through this program it it, it only going to benefit us because again back to what i really enjoy about this program is the practicality of it mm-hmm. i mean some mm-hmm. of the things that i have been pulling from this I'm already applying in my business. Now I'm very fortunate to actually have um, staff of department heads and, and line, line level employees where I can impart some of these ideas, the ways to them so that it becomes practical right off the bat. And it would be interesting to hear from the MEM side of the students or the ex- instructors, what they're bringing to the aspect. Because guess what? In a private club, there's catering and special events managing in every right. property. There's planning, there's banquets, there's non-traditional income coming from golf events. Like this is all planning. And I think for somebody as myself, as a manager, it would be more beneficial to hear those aspects within the hospitality as well. So what would have been the, what's your biggest takeaway, Charlene, so far from the leadership uh, or or biggest takeaways, I should ask, because it's hard to, I think, probably come up with just one for me. Yeah. I think honestly, it's the application portion for me. Uh, it's kind of like I just went through this uh, Six Sigma certification. Sorry, um, the Black just in, just in time mm-hmm. learning and just in time application, right? So I don't know how it was um, for anyone else, but literally as I was learning, as Todd mentioned, these uh, these different development processes that you can implement with you know any of your staff, I was literally taking them and applying it to the team that works under me for this annual conference, right? So learning how to uh, speak to them, the different leadership styles, right? Like affiliative style or anything like that. We were implementing like right then and there. And I think, you know, getting that feedback, not just from reading, but from seeing how, you know, your group responds to that type of leadership style, that was the, the learning of it for me, right? Like, oh, okay, I understand what that author meant when he said this happened and this happened. So for me, it's it's so beneficial for us to be working professionals and learning at the same time. Yes. That is, that's key. And to discuss and hear what the other members of the cohort are going through as well. So um, as part of the course, Alex, 
we consistently have to write in discussion boards different topics mm -hmm. that are given to us each week. And so we have to write our own response as well as read and respond to other students. That is the big part of learning for me mm -hmm. as well, to see what other corporations, like I don't know anything about the tech space, but what Adrian tells me, I understand. We have another, um, another cohort member, she works in like pharma. So she uh -huh. tells us the high pressures of working in pharma, right? So it's hearing all of these different experiences from one learning lesson, I think is, is huge. And are you finding a common thread in the various industries? Is there a common yeah. thread to- I find that meeting planners are really the best employees to have around. <laughs> That's literally what I'm learning. I mean, and anybody in hospitality, Todd. I, yes. I kind of learn how multifaceted these professionals are. I That is one of the biggest takeaways. Um, and that the common thread is people. The, the common thread is you have to listen to your people, whether they're under you, next to you, above you, wherever, they all have some emotional connection to what we're doing. And I think all of us here understand to be in where we are, you have to love this job. Like it has to be your obsession in order for you to still stay in it. So that's that's kind of my my common thread for all of us. Your team is, um, t just quickly, how how are they responding to what you're you're doing now? What's the change that you're seeing? Uh, so this team is half of them are new. So like I mentioned, we haven't even seen each other in person. So it's more about learning about their styles of working and also myself exhibiting some patience, right? As a mm -hmm. meeting planner, I'm used to doing things on my own. And as when I want it done, I'll get it done. But now it's learning how to see how others work and get to that point of, well, how is your process of getting to this point of doing this task or making this decision? Um, so they have been very receptive because they think right. they look at it as an opportunity to grow themselves as well. And they feel that that's what you're giving them. Yes. They feel that. The space, the space, the space to, grow. to grow. How about you, Adrian? Biggest takeaway so far from leadership? Oh, man. Well, I... I was a leadership minor in undergrad, so I've always had a passion for leadership development. Um, I feel like a lot of the lessons were similar to what I learned there as well. It just kind of um, amplified what I knew, um, which was exciting. I think I relied more on trying to be an empathetic leader. Um, I'm a pretty empathetic person, but I, you know, um, transferring those skills into the workplace has really been beneficial for me. Um, I'm also going to be managing a new team member who's coming on in two weeks. And so that's been exciting to kind of like see my leadership style and how I'll finesse that as I'm moving into this managerial role. Um, I We also have our mentors and my mentor has been extremely instrumental through this whole process for me. So it's been nice to bounce ideas off of him too, to see how I can implement these lessons into my real life and moving forward with that. So while leadership hasn't necessarily been super instrumental yet, I know that it's going to be soon. <laughs> um, so that's exciting. I, okay, this is going to be the tough question for everyone. What is the one thing that you learned about yourself in this process that that you kind of had to face and it wasn't easy? Does anybody want to start? I'm hoping you'll answer that when everybody else is done as well, Anthony, if I may be so bold to ask you for <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I can start then. For me, 
And we have to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. It's definitely about patience. And um, I think the biggest lesson for me is I have to just be more patient. And I'm I'm separating myself from the idea that I said it once and that should be enough. And that actually is, is logically it's correct too, because in today's world, we're so inundated with messages that to expect people get it after one time is, is almost preposterous, you know? So um, that, that was a big, big takeaway for me, something I, I'm still facing and we'll have to all the time because I can still feel my, you know, it rising up and, you know, I just got to squash it down, right? I still, <laughs> I probably develop a twitch or something, you know? But it'll be a delicious twitch. Right, so you're good. delicious, right? <laughs> oh, how, how about you, Todd? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We went through this process uh, through the on-campus week where we are now developing, um, for, for your listeners, a leadership development plan. And it's a personal leadership development plan. It's an ongoing process of the 18 months that we're in this program. And by having to make ourselves accountable to keep moving the needle, I found that I was not as good of a coach and a trainer as I thought I was. Mm. And a lot of that came from the 360 survey we did. It also came from the print survey. It came from kind of writing and reading through the process and then even reading the leadership good to great. Um, and some of the aspects of what these great leaders do and how they take their companies to the next level. I found that I had some blinders on. And I also found I had a, a couple of trigger points where my, to your point, patience, as you used the word, was not um, as good as it should be. So I'm finding that for me, although I had like this want and wish and need, as I talked about at the beginning, to do this, yet I wasn't doing it, um, has been the big movement for me and it's inspired me to move to the next level of 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 something else that might be there and i think that's to me why this program has been has been so great and what i'm learning through the process may i ask you something todd when you came to that realization how did you react to that was it a an aha moment was it a you know a little bit of a fear factor there what was your reaction to that and how quickly were you able to transition to just now implementing and learning yeah, so that's a journey that's a continuing deal. And I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the mindfulness books and teachings that I'm reading and learning and listening. I actually hired my own coach for myself to help me do this too. Charlene and I, I think already talked about the fact that they have mentors, which we do, which helps. We have a coach inside of our mentor as well. But I think at the beginning, to answer your question, I was triggered. I was like, wait a minute, this is no way is this right? Like, this isn't huh? I don't understand. And I went to the other level of it. I don't want to say anger, but just kind of frustration. So then when I took a step back and put, put myself in a conscious moment, then I realized that this, this is probably pretty true and looking at it and then I move, continue to move forward with it. So I think that's, that's where it's been taking some time and a journey through it. And, and, and some of the other teachings that we're all getting um, with this program that I'm hoping will can continue to carry me upward. And it sounds almost like going through the seven stages of grief in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think just kind of understanding what that means as humans. That's, mm -hmm. It's really deeper than that. And, and a lot of us don't do that work. And that's okay, because that's what society says, that we don't do that work. But when you do do the work, mm -hmm. and when you do do these leadership development plans, and you do have these discussions like we're doing now, and, and the openness that we have by 
be being vulnerable through this mm -hmm. process, man, is it a game changer. And I think all of us are the same in that we flog ourselves for our own inadequacies and we expect perfection from ourselves. And that it's been liberating to feel that, oh, I don't have to be perfect. I just need to be on a road to being the best that I can be. That's all we can ask of one another. Um, Charlene, what did you have to face? Ooh. I can't imagine anything being as fabulous. No. As <laughs> So interestingly enough, um, I up until last year, I had no, no desire to be any form of manager. I think when you look at the word manager versus leader, right, I think there are def different definitions. Mm -hmm. a, a good leader is definitely something that I've always tried to be, but I didn't want to manage people. I think managing people takes on a whole different set of responsibilities, right, because then you talk about their development and et cetera. And I mean, let's just be honest, I'm really, I was really concerned about my own development. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was always um, learning and taking myself to the next level. It wasn't until that we went on campus and started doing this leadership development plan that I was just like, oh, I really, I really like that. I really like the fact that you can impart knowledge, right? Because I think I'm at a certain point in my career where, you know, I still have lots of time left to go, but I do have, you know, this like truckload of experiences and, and, and lessons learned that I can impart on others. Um, rather than keeping it close to the vest, let me impart that knowledge, but do it in a way, right, that this program is teaching me how to do it so that others can take it and really and, and ponder upon it. Not that they have to, right? You don't have to take right. my, what I say for, um, and, and definitely go with that. But I learned that I really wanted to be a manager. That was really shocking for me um, to learn that I wanted to be the head of a team and to see how they progress. So not that, you know, I don't want to put myself out there as this selfish person, but at a certain point you get past your own development and you start realizing I want to help develop others. So like Todd mentioned right, that he wanted to do, you want to branch out into this educational platform portion. I'm at that stage now as well, right? Like I can help these younger generation um, individuals and, and help guide them in, in certain ways that I was guided, especially if we come along from the same path. So that was kind of like my big, that was my big takeaway um, from when we first started and my big aha moment. Uh, that I realized I was I was ready for the next stage mm -hmm. of of being this leader slash manager. So and, and may I just say that I completely understand and agree with you that managing people and leading people two different things. Mm -hmm. When I first what my impression of emotional intelligence was before this course was it was how to manage people, right? You used it, it was a tool and it felt like an obligation. But now with this new, um, with this teaching of this curriculum, it feels like an opportunity more than an obligation, right? And it doesn't feel as laborious, mm -hmm. at least to me as it once did. I think it's more of an understanding of people that we're getting, right? So it's not so much the, um, the obligation, it's the understanding of what your person on the other side of the desk phone, whatever, is thinking, feeling, watching. Uh, and so now you move that backward and go, okay, now 
I understand it. So now I feel like I want to communicate it that way. Somebody told me yesterday, the other day in my conference, which I'm so happy that the two of you ladies are able to go to this conference because I just did mine with my World Conference Association. There's 2,500 people here. And it was quite the experience. You're going to love it being back in front of people and doing that. But what I'm, what one of the speakers said was, um, be curious, not judgmental. And I think if you start to have that ideology in your head so that you understand them, you're being curious about them. It doesn't mean you have to be agreeing with them, what they call tactical empathy, but you can get curious with them and not be judgmental. And then you can still listen. And I think a little bit, Anthony, that's what you're talking about that we're learning in this process. Definitely. Definitely. Adrian, what have you had to face? Oh man, I'm similar to you, Anthony. I think, were you a one? Yes. On your print score? I'm a three one. So I'm a one six. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the um the patience. Um for me, a lot of like I I wouldn't say being a hothead, but kind of taking a step back before I react to something. Mm-hmm. Um and events, especially at such a high stress job. And when you're on site, you're I mean, for me, I'm like, oh, oh, you did that wrong. Let me jump at the bit. Like <laughs> So taking that step back, um, there hasn't been a lot of, obviously with live events not happening, um, opportunities for me to practice that yet, but you know, in day-to-day life and meetings at some workshops, like take a breath, like Todd said, be curious, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, uh, my parents always said, seek to understand <laughs> mm-hmm. why are they doing it that way? So it's a lot of introspection, um, in that manner for me, patience for sure. Um, but we're getting there. It's it's been very very helpful. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. It's going to be a lifelong process, right? Oh I yeah. Mean, like we say, we're not perfect, but we're just trying to be the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of you read the Four Agreements. It's a great book to bring to to pick up. It's probably a mm-hmm. hundred pages. It's a very yeah. short read, but um, one of the four agreements you make with yourself is to just be the best that you can be. But there's a caveat, and that is every day your best is different. So mm-hmm. you don't have a higher and higher and higher and higher expectation. You just have to sort of be in the moment and do your best on a moment to moment basis, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, as long as we're doing that and just trying to be good human beings and good stewards and also good at what we do uh, is all that anyone could ask. Has it, have, you, have you felt freedom? at all from this process, from some of the ways that you might be difficult on yourselves? Do you feel like, oh, I can let that go? I don't, I don't need to worry about that so much. Anybody? Yeah, I think if I compare myself to Steve Jobs, then uh-huh. I say, oh, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> so Alex, one of the first books that we had to read, even before we started, school uh, class was Steve Jobs' um, uh, biography, which was 600 pages, was great read, but I think most of us, and I'm not going to speak for everyone, felt very, uh, had very strong emotions to (laughs) how Steve Mm -hmm. Jobs, you know, was in his, in his everyday life and and how he walked through life, etc. So um, in comparison to, you know, his leadership style, I think we are leaps and bounds away um, from that, uh, where he's just very, 
what he wanted is what he wanted, no matter what you felt, no matter how much sleep you got, which is probably none in the past 72 hours. Um, I think we're a little bit much more empathetic with our, with, with the people we interact with much more. So um, I, I, you know, I think that we're doing so much better. I think I do have the freedom a little bit to allow myself some space. I think that we're also given really great examples of individuals that we can definitely, you know, take after, but those, those examples range, you know, so far away from each other. Um, one of the biggest um, influences for me has been the good to great um, book. I think that one has, yes, that one has been the most impactful for me. I'm not sure if anybody else. Yes. Has that. Same. <laughs> I mean, I, I did like the Steve Jobs book. Um, I did enjoy the story and I felt sort of a kindred spirit with him in some ways. Because you're a one, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One. Right. <laughs> but I didn't feel like he had a leadership style. I felt like he was just very selfish and yeah. you know, whatever popped into his head is what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Thank God he was brilliant, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 people had very visceral responses to that book and um didn't like him at all what did you feel adrian after reading that oh man i mean i think he i kind of fluctuated in my paper um the paper that we had to write on it and that i could see where he was coming from in some instances um but for the most part you know he like kind of to piggyback off of what charlene said he he just stayed how he was the whole time like his whole life. He never progressed as a leader. He didn't educate himself. He was never doing personal like self-introspection work. And we're taking that step by being in this master's program. We're committing to ourselves that we want to grow. Um, so I think that that's how we're leveling up the playing field of leadership um, by growing in that manner. That's my two cents on it. Mm. From my perspective, it's needed in our industry. And I'm so proud of us all for doing it because uh, Todd and I have been around a little bit longer. um, But I remember a day when you went on site and people screamed at one another and the the atmosphere was very tense. And, you know, if something went wrong, people lost their minds. I remember those days and I'm really glad to see them change. And this is why I feel like more of this is needed because I still remember those really awful times. How about you? Yeah, Tom? yeah, I would say, I mean, try working with a French chef 25 years ago. I mean, it just screaming, yelling, hollering, throwing things. I mean, it's right out of the TV shows you see that are happening here, which is where they got that inspiration. But I think one of the things that we're going to be coming in challenges is this is what what I struggle with at my career, my job here at a private club is the dichotomy between the older white male that's up here that's not working anymore and maybe a younger person down here that's learning this empathetic role. And I think that's where I'm hoping this program continues to be better because it actually is trying to bridge a gap and giving you tools to show that it's okay to be empathetic. It's okay to lead from the middle. It's okay to not to be dictatorial. It's okay to have a collaborative issue. And I think a lot of the members that I have in leadership, whether on boards or committees, aren't used to that. They're baby boomers who went through a process where they just, it was their way or the highway or they didn't take input. And it's kind of alluded to with the Steve Jobs Mm -hmm. scenarios of things. But that to me is what we are going to struggle with 
as we move out of the baby boomers and into Gen X's, which is what I am, and then moving down the ladder, I think there's going to be a way better culture in our in our strategy of how we run organizations, which is what we got from good to great. And that's the craziest thing about the whole thing is that those companies have been around forever and the ones that are successful still did it the way you're supposed to do it today and succeeded mm-hmm. versus having this well, I've done it my way and it's the only way I don't want to learn. I don't want to get curious. I don't want to learn these things. So I think that's where this transition's happening. And as you see the actual demographic, excuse me, the population within our culture, it's aging out and boomers are not the focal point because they're not as the highest population as they used to be not long ago. And you're going to see this curve and it's going to dip and then it's going to go back up with Gen Z's. And so that to me is part of if we go full circle this program is that people are going to be way better skilled, massively great foundation to take us into a whole different cultural understanding of what we as humans need to be successful in and out of the organization. Adrian, do you feel that planners are underappreciated in general and, uh, do you have a difficult time with your clients getting them to understand why things need to work a certain way ever? And that's uh-huh. for everybody, but I'm, I'm starting with you. Yeah. You could say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I mentioned, my team's a team of four and a company of a hundred. Um, we're oftentimes looked over uh, oh, uh, well, we can plan a board meeting. Oh, I can just throw this together um, without knowing all the complexities behind it, where um, it's interesting sometimes lately, I found if we're planning an event and a client doesn't hire for an event staff to come on site that our account manager counterparts are finding that it's more difficult on them because they don't have the event support on site. They're having to do our job plus theirs. And I feel for those people because the client uh, in their mind, they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. They're already going to be there. So we don't need to pay for another body to come, but they don't see all the intricacies, all the logistics, all the little details that the events person is handling, you know, monitoring that um, coffee is being approved before another gallon's brought out when it's $150 a gallon, you know, like the little things like that, that might push them over budget, but nobody's there to monitor it or be checked on little things like that. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I think most of the clients that I work on uh, pay for one events person of one event staff to be on site. Um, And it's, it's always fun to kind of show all of the things that go into your job, um, both leading up to the event and on site, and you try and get a little more appreciation. I think, again, most of the teams that I'm on recognize that it's a lot of hard work for us, but it's taken a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, So in general, it it ebbs and flows, but I would lean towards, um, we're coming up in the world of being recognized for the hard work that we do. I thought so. Do you feel the same, Charlene? I think what Adrian said is correct. We're coming up. We're not there yet. Um, I think what a lot of professionals like us are are finding now 
is we just need to be a little bit more vocal, right? So um, Adrian and I were having this conversation during the on-campus week of, we all need to just be really open with each other. We're, we're actually, mm-hmm. there's, and, and like Todd said, we're not very competitive with each other and there's no reason for us to be, there's so much space for us in the world for professionals mm-hmm. like us. Mm-hmm. And we are turning into these very talented, multifaceted, multifaceted individuals, right? So we are not only meeting and event planners, but if you think about the terms of what we do, we're project managers, we're creative designers, we're, we're, uh, we understand the logistics of people movement. So there's, I'm going to throw math in there. We're like, you know, we, we think about, oh crap, what's the name of that? Um, Guarantees? No. No, I <laughs> just think about math. I don't even know the name. Like, do, uh, we think about geography, like everything, weather, Everything. We are, we're apparently mm-hmm. weather forecasters when we're having <laughs> outdoor events. Um, I'm, I'm sure Todd is very concerned with lightning strikes, you know, around, <laughs> around. so we're, we just are so um, uh, well prepared to encounter anything, anything. And who in this world is prepared to encounter any issue? And we were talking earlier about living in chaos, right? Mm-hmm. We do thrive in chaos because mm-hmm. I can be ready if there is a, a pest infestation. I know exactly who I need to call, what I need to do. If somebody spills something, I know who I need to call, what I need to do. Who else in this world can be ready in all those different situations other than us? Yet, we are the only ones that really can clearly define all these different issues that can come at us. Um, I think we all as an industry need to be much more vocal. Um, I think, you know, the the salary standard for our, our industry is also pretty low. And I'm, I'm just going to say that out here so we can be public everywhere. I think that we underpay these professionals so much and also think that they're so expendable, right? So we saw a lot of our industry friends and colleagues get, get laid off early on um, mm-hmm. in the pandemic. And people think that really an administrative assistant can do exactly right. what we do in a pinch, but it's not true. Not at all. So I, I definitely um, see a lot of improvement that's needed in the future. But the high hope that I have is we as an industry are getting so much closer together and understanding that we are in this together. You know, this whole past couple of years, I think has been such an eye opener for all of us that we're all just so happy to be working and with each other. I've seen us provide congenialities to people that we that people have not given to before. I think it's incredible. And it's when I first, I think the first one, we went to IMEX in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. I could, I was, I didn't tell Adrian this. I was emotional because we went on the trade, we went on the show floor and to have these thousands of people there, everybody's just so excited. You just felt this camaraderie that you have never felt before. And and I hope that that continues and that we progress forward as an industry. Do you, um, do you think the degree will help us get more respect? Do you think it's an integral part of, of raising up the industry? Anybody? I mean, I, I would say the reactions I get to saying I'm in this program have been massively positive. And I think it's people kind of take a step back. I think there's also a misconception that it may or may not even exist, let alone be necessary because they believe hospitality is at that level. And I think, you know, Charlene and Adrian have kind of hit on 
than that with the pay scale. And I think when you start to be ahead of the curve here with this, you're really going to make a massive difference. And I also think that there's some connectivity. I mean, I could go on and on about some of these things. I mean, golf pros don't. The difference between a golf professional as an assistant and a head pro is like huge. The same with a line cook versus exec chef. And I would say probably the same thing in your industry for Charlene and Adrian about how you, you, a coordinator versus, you know, a CMO, it's just, it's too, too wide. But what we're finding with layoffs and then what we find with this connectivity and shrinking of the, the organization and watching it, the connections happen within individuals, it's going to trickle down. It will eventually get to that point. It just may be a while. Mm-hmm. Should we I'm- be calling... Oh, go ahead. Adrian. I was just going to, oh no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to back on that and say, um, you know, the MEM cohort is only in our third, third one of it. And um, oftentimes when I tell people, oh yeah, I'm getting my master's. Oh, cool. An MBA. I'm like, no, in meeting and event management, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Usually, duh. It's like the most obvious one. It's so common. Everybody has it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people laugh and and I say, but honestly, it's it's so beneficial to me because I'm, Charlene and I are both um, CMP, Certified Meeting Professionals. Um, and for the longest time, that was like the designation to have. But now with this new master's program, it's definitely adding a level there where an MBA might help you, but not. I find that the skills that we're going, that we've been learning and that we're going to continue learning, the networking, the connections that we're making in this program are tenfold to like what I would get out of an MBA, especially a virtual MBA where I'm probably not ever going to meet anybody in the program. Um, so Same that way. to back off of Todd's thing with how the this master's helps us. Do you think our titles should change? Do you think uh, the meeting planner titles should be elevated as well for those who have the master's? Strategist, uh, hmm. you know, something a little bit more elevated? Yeah, I know. I've always thought, you know, how's it going to look on my business card? Adrian Foster, CMP, mem? And then people right. go, well, what the heck is a mem? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm a mem. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. I just don't know. I don't know what it would be. I don't know, Charlene, if you have thoughts. I, I find that hard to, to do because, you know, um, I'm not sure if I know Adrian and I have had discussions about this, but the like all like most industries, the job market is 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 it's empty, <laughs> meaning yeah. that there's so many positions open that they're just it's just like flooding my inbox. Like I get, you know, daily news of of open positions, et cetera. Um, there's so many open positions out there. And they all range in their title. You don't see yeah. a standard in the title right. anywhere in the industry. And it really just depends on how forward that company is with their meeting and events team. So you see strategists, you see coordinators, you see associates. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I would agree with that, Anthony, if there was some form of standardization within our industry. I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Todd is Todd has, you know, one of the most recognizable as a COO, right? right. So uh, for us, I, I, I can't even imagine what a, a standardized title would be for, for Such us. a good way to put it because yeah. at my company, I'm an event manager, but at another company, I might be a coordinator, have the right. same responsibilities, but to them, that's just the title that they've given. Right. Like right. My, my official title is senior meeting planner. 
but it's not really any different from the other meeting planners. Yeah. I'm the only senior meeting planner <laughs> at the company. And that title was given to me because of my seniority, but not necessarily because of anything else. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very different. So what would be the next step at NCCI for you? President and CEO. Oh, hey! <laughs> uh, Queen. Uh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> no, it would you be, know, I, I don't, I, I would have to, you know, really dive into the insurance part of that. And I think we've already discussed about insurance. So the meeting department, you're at the top of the meeting department. Um, mid-range. Next one would be, would be a manager, manager level. Okay. And Todd? No, well, I was just going to say, I think that, that Charlene and Adrian are, are, are elevating what comes out of not only the program, but what they're doing in their lives, which is networking. It's all about people and who you talk to and all the connections you have, regardless of how, whether they're an acquaintance or a best friend. It's the one thing I got out of my Club Management Association of America is that I could talk to anybody within the association and if I show up authentically, then all kinds of connections occur to the point of where the, the letters after our name with MBA, MS, H-E-M-T, double the Q, and then X times seven <laughs> doesn't mean anything because it's really about having the conversation with the people that says, I got this master's degree. It's amazing. Here are the six leadership styles, whether they're in the golden circle or not, blah, blah, blah. And you can get to that point. I think that's the next bridge to then the understanding of whatever the criteria may be with your title. So how do we get people that make the decisions to understand that we have all of this talent and ability and these skills uh, so that we the position is ultimately elevated and we're not just thought of as planners who don't know anything. And I, I struggle with that all the time as a producer, people telling me how you know something should be run when I know darn well how it should be run. And you know, you're choosing, I, I always think they're choosing not to do it the right way, but they're not listening either. Do you ever, do any of you ever feel that? And do you think that there's a way out of that? Or is that just the way things are? I don't know. I mean, it's a communicative style. It's 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 a, a way that you're listening to them and then re- responding back. So, so let me let me let me let me um, see if I can be clear. So I have clients that I'm taking this master's course because I'm hoping that when I say to someone or uh, recommend a process that it's considered and it's not just, oh, he doesn't really know anything because, you know, he's just a planner. He's just a producer. The, you know, I think what I'm looking for is a little bit more credibility for myself so that I don't have to argue what's right. And when I'm saying what's right, it's for whatever the event is, whatever the show is, because I, th- I think that's all we have to, we all have to sort of perform that way. It's not about us. It's about right, whatever it is we're producing or planning. But there's so much resistance because as Charlene said, oh, we can just have the executive assistant do that meeting or we, we can have people, as Adrian said, we can have our own staff handle that on site. That's still the perception. So, you know, are we doing ourselves a service with this degree? And is there a way to elevate ourselves so that we, sure, there'll be questions, but when there's pushback and people determine, no, this is the way it's going to be, how do you 
how do you deal with that? And does this master's degree help? Uh, like Todd said, I think it's all about the communication and also understanding your audience. So for me, whenever I do presentations in front of the various executives um, in my company, I have to understand their mindset. Like if I talk to my CFO, obviously the numbers come first and safety when it comes to him. When I talk to my customer operations person, he's all about practicality and, and just the logical decision-making. So I know when I do a presentation, I need to focus on that first and make it seem obvious, right? Don't just, I don't go there saying, well, maybe this will happen. I will say, the this could this has a potential of happening here are some backup reasons for it so it's built, always building my case that's how i always find it for me internally luckily my meetings and events team were very highly um regarded in the organization so they usually take what we say you know to heart um and i i don't have issues but at a certain point I have to understand that there are situations that are outside of my area and necessarily outside of my pay grade that I just can't understand. Mm -hmm. So if they're making a specific decision, it might just because of, be because of something they can't tell me. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my approach. I don't know if You're also it. highly regarded in your organization and that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's already a great start. Yes. Adrian, what about you with your with clients and pushback? I, I, I've, I heard you say there yeah. is some. There is some, and it, it's tough for me because um, most of our clients are run through the account management group um, team in our company. There's like 20, 25 of them. And so they're the most client facing. And so we don't even have decision-making power. We're just the recommendations. So if I'm um, doing an RFP for a venue, I give three options. I say which one I would recommend this is the best option. I really hope they go with this one, but I pass it off to account manager who then gets to take it to the client. So half the time I'm never communicating directly to see these decisions get made. Um, mm. And in that manner, it's also hoping that the account manager trusts me with my main client, my account manager, and I have a really good relationship. And so she knows that I'm on it and will make the best decisions. And she definitely will take my word to heart prior to giving it to the client. I mean, we've been working with me having more of a client facing role with them as well. I think that it's all um, a lot of transition. BTM has been changing how they work just in general lately. So I hope for the future that we have more of a, a client facing role. Um, I brought on a new client a couple months ago, which was exciting. And they're only with the events team. Um, and then we have one marketing person working with them as well. So it's kind of exciting to have the full lead on the client and have the decision-making power with him. Um, and honestly, my capstone is going to be on working um, on a new business development plan just for the event side, bringing people in from our department first and then expanding to other departments that VTM offers, because I see that we have these abilities <laughs> and I'd like to be recognized for them. Um, so I have um, optimism for the future. <laughs> Good. Todd, your mentor. Um, are you connecting with your mentor on a on a monthly basis? And how do you feel about that process? Are you are you gaining anything from it? Yeah, well, I'm 
I'm pretty fortunate. My mentor is Carl Winston, who's the founder of the entire program. How dare you? Love him. Yeah, Yeah, he's great. So yeah, I do a monthly. I talk to him and I've actually reached out a couple different times in different struggles. And he's been very supportive. um, And I've just enjoyed the process of him understanding what direction I'm taking my career in life and him helping uh, ask further questions. It's like the Simon Sinek, tell me more. You know, Simon talks about that all the time. Tell me more, tell me more. And that, that leads to better conversations. So for me, it's been a fantastic journey with him. I'm glad to hear it. That's great. He is a great guy. Yeah. He's Apparently great. very good at uh, Scrabble too. Okay. I've heard through the grapevine <laughs> in case you wanted to, you know, maybe. Well, here, here's the irony in this. So I go to my conference and I run into a, a person from 15 years ago as a GM at Farmington Country Club in Virginia. He's at this conference who I interviewed with that long ago. And didn't get the the job, and I've maintained this contact with him over and over the years. And I now I have now we're friends, if you will. And I chatted about. It. He goes, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm in this master's program at San Diego State." He goes, "Do you know Carl Winston?" <laughs> I said, "Of course I do. How do you, he's actually my mentor? How do you know him?" And he goes, "They went to Cornell together 40 years ago." Wow! And oh so goodness. this is kind of where this goes. And so now I've got this triangle of of Phil Keister and and Carl Winston and myself now connected to this alignment of what we're doing in hospitality. And I'm telling you, this is where we get, this is, it just mm-hmm. elevates everything. So mm-hmm. to answer your question about mentoring, this has been a huge benefit for me. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. How about you, Charlene? How are you doing with your mentor? She and I are doing well. Uh, she is well-connected in the Colorado, Montana area and was specifically um, assigned to me by Terry, Terry Brining. So um, she and Terry are super close. And, you know, we have this common thread of, of not being able to sit still, right? So anytime she has free time, she tries to see how productive she can be, whether it's, you know, uh, volunteering for an organization or helping a city with that's um, you know tourism and um, tourism and convention plans, etc. She's very involved with a variety of things, and I think you know I, I'm I don't know how Terry saw it, but Terry noticed that in me too because I also tend to um, over involve myself in a variety of ways. So we have that you know commonality of of wanting to always do more, but yet we are, you know, always <laughs> needing to tell ourselves to take a seat. <laughs> like I need to clock. tell, I need to tell myself to take a seat sometimes. So um, she, she's, it's been very educational um, for me to see this other individual that's not necessarily within our meeting and event space, but she and I have this common thread mm-hmm. of, of how we are personality wise. So it's been great. So she's not in the space. That's it. Interesting. Not specifically. Uh, she does know the CVB, you know, tourism and, and hospitality and convention areas, but more for like cities. Sure. Um, so not necessarily as a meeting and event planner, okay. but she used to do a, a lot of different, um, you know, conferences, et cetera, but a different responsibility. Mm. Adrian, how about you? I love mine. As I got to know him, I mean, after our first meeting, I was like, oh, I totally see why we were matched. Our personalities are so similar. I love him. He's brilliant. He's been in the industry for so long. He started his own DMC um, in Atlanta for a while, and now he works for an association management company. So similar to what I do, um, he's just been a great resource. I mean, I can bounce ideas off of him. It's cool because he 
only knows Terry um, within the program, so he can take a really um, impartial view to any of my complaints or questions or rattling offs of anything <laughs> with courses. Um, and he can give a really like unbiased opinion on how to manage situations. Um, the last time we talked, we talked about hiring and firing since we're going through the hiring phase, um, building my network. He just has been so beneficial and I'm insanely grateful for that relationship to come out of this program. Yeah, it's been an interesting ride for me too with, with my mentor who, who uh, is in the Chicago area and has a owned a speaker agency that he sold and still works for. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, similar uh, interests that we have and he's, he's been helpful to me, like you, in the same way, Todd, I think that you are uh, having success with Carl, uh, just helping to sort of get through some of the issues or situations that pop up uh, in the most graceful way possible. Um, and one of them recently was with a client who, uh, you know, we had, I decided to cut ties with because uh, uh, the show was just becoming too uh, crazy for no reasons that were just too no good reason, you know, things just got out of hand. And so I, I have been meeting with them to do their event again this year. And I, I used Brian as, you know, a sounding board, he was great and helped me sort of through the, the tough points, if you will. Cause you know, life goes on and business goes on and we have to stay employed, dang it. <laughs> so great. what about marketing? How are you feeling about the marketing course? And um, do you feel like you're getting out of it what you'd like, that it's, that it's even necessary? What are your thoughts? I'd, I'd say it's my favorite one so far, honestly. I don't know if I was um, super jazzed going into it, but I would say that I've learned the most, even though we're in, what, week three right now? Four. Um, a week four, goodness flying by. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but I'm using my marketing plan as a, a baseline for my capstone anyways. So I think I'm taking more time and being more introspective as I'm working on this project because it's actually something that I'll use for my company and my capstone project. And so there's a little more weight on it than just a final project for a marketing class. I see. How about you, Todd? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's um, it's kind of repositioning the the brand itself and trying to understand whether we want to be just about golf and camaraderie or do we want to chime into the historical aspect of it and we're a player's player golf course. So to me, that's been the learning aspect of mm -hmm. of that and and finding the why, which I've talked about already. I mean, it's the, the why is is where we get lost. We know the how and the what. We don't know the why, and that mm -hmm. to me has been a big tool so far. Mm -hmm. Charlene, do you have to do much marketing within the organization? Uh, so my team is part of the marketing team. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't necessarily deal with, you know, the, the specific marketing tools, et cetera. But, you know, uh, as I said, we're, we're so multifaceted that I, I do get involved at some point with some of our social media campaigns, with writing verbiage for our internal articles for, for the company to read. Um, so... It, it's been helpful in the sense that I can, uh, I'm using old projects to help me formulate, <laughs> to help me formulate my, 
my, my marketing plan. So it's really nice to be able to reset what I've done previously mm. in order to get, to get moving um, within the course. So it, it's rebranding essentially what I've done. Um, right. And I'm, I'm kind of grateful that I did the project already because it makes this class a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I marketing is not my forte. I really like the leadership class, the content mm -hmm. of the leadership class, maybe not necessarily a group project. <laughs> uh, but I must I, put after hours. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, that was the, that's where where I'm at. I I think marketing is great. I don't think I enjoy it as much as Adrian does. But yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I think, Charlie, and it's sort of a hard row for me. Uh, and I, but I was kind of, I was uh, interested to hear that it's really you know branding hasn't really been around that long, and the whole idea of marketing really hasn't been around that long either. And that of course that makes sense, but I never really thought about it. You know, it's like 60, yeah. maybe 70 year old uh, industry, you know, not all that old. How about some some anything that you your biggest takeaway or anything that you'd like to share about the program? And we'll use that as our wrap. So if you. Uh, your biggest takeaway from the program. I'll go first because I didn't get to say it earlier, but definitely the connections and the relationships. Um, Carl Winston, the head of the program, he told us on the on-campus week that you'll likely be good friends with some people in the program. And I can say that I have some of my best friends from this program mm. now. Mm. I have a group text that if not daily, <laughs> every other day, I mean, we are talking to each other all the time and it's not even about the schoolwork. I mean, we're talking to each other about life. Um, we send each other flowers when there's something big happens or something sad happens. Mm -hmm. um, I just have a good, a good connections that are coming from this. And um, I'm excited to be on campus again with everybody to have more of a relationship with some HTMers that we got to meet in August, but maybe didn't maintain that relationship through these classes. So I know I could be better and reach out to them now, but I, that's my my favorite takeaway from this program so far. <laughs> nice, nice. How about you, Todd? Yeah, mine, I go back to the practicality of the program and applying these skills to the actual property. I mean, I'm already trying to change the staff culture by what I learned in leadership. Um, things, little tips about uh, creating a, a more of a community within the, the walls of the club that not necessarily the members, but the staff itself, getting them invigorated as to why they're here. Um, things like that. We're about to have a, an employee appreciation party that came as a genesis from this program. And I'm able to enlist members um, for donations of, of gifts and things. And so it started to garner a little more community involvement versus a members are on one level and employees are on another. So that's been my big right. takeaway. That's great. Lovely. Char? So I think for me, other than obviously what Todd and Adrian mentioned, I think it's more about the exposure, right? So um, we all can very easily, you know, um, hide in our bubbles of the little areas that we do our events or our companies in. But when we got into this program, the exposure that I that I've gotten from you know, hearing of different industries that people are in or what they're doing. Like, I didn't know that there was a space. I just found out today that USB 
and HDMI right. for companies <laughs> that they're not cords. So even right. that, that's something brand new for me. Right. So, uh, you know, and I, I just love that. And I love how seeing our passionate, I love being invested in other people, like another member of our cohort, she, um, she was unemployed during on-campus week and she got a job, you know, very quickly with um, United Way after mm-hmm. another one. Um, mm-hmm. She went from the, what was a hospital? In, a, a children's hospital. A children's hospital. Yeah. And now she works for like a big, like a major. Jane, Jane we're talking about Jane. <laughs> Jane it was, was Jane, the first... and then Kimberly Wheeler just got Kimberly, a new job right. too. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Oh, JP Morgan. JP Morgan. Morgan. JP Morgan. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. you just you're you get so invested in yeah. these other individuals and where they are in their journey, and you would never think that we would, right? Because we all came into it with developing your own personal leadership right. development plan, and now I really want to know, like later, how Todd's employee appreciation thing will yeah. go like it's just it's you become it becomes so much more than just you and I really that's my biggest thing from this from this um master's cohort is how much more we're invested in other people and I think that's just that's just the takeaway that we all should have right uh, with what's going on in the world so I think it's it's just what we needed at the right time we're each other's very biggest well cheerleaders. yes really thank well you said. for that so you know I, I, just to end this call something just flew into my head, um, Charlene, and that is the fact that I actually did some work with NCCI. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, I could, I didn't, didn't make this connection before today, but there was a gal named Gwen Horison who- She was my old manager. Yeah. <laughs> before she retired. I met her, so she did retire. Yes. I, I met her at FICP one year. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we became um, fast friends. And because I, my folks live in North Miami Beach, I, mm-hmm. uh, I'm often down there. And uh, we went to lunch one day in Boca. Uh, just a yep. funny, funny, the world is, you know, smaller. That's than, interesting. Very narrow uh, world. Very narrow world. <laughs> and I, I'm still curious as to why you don't want to live in Boca. I've lived down <laughs> in South Florida my whole life. It was time for a change. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I'm a South Floridian too. I get it. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, once again, we have Adrian Foster, Todd Hale, and Charlie Liu with the SDSU Master's Programs, HTM and MEM. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you even better. And I completely agree, the camaraderie and the uh, just the group feeling that we have is, is great. And I kind of wish we had more of it and less virtual and more in person. Right. Yeah, I'm in total agreement. <laughs> yeah. Same. So- <laughs> maybe we can't get those cocktail hours you know we can't get those uh, you know taking off nobody seems to be able to you know bring it together but we'll get there <laughs> thank you so much and thank good you. luck in your careers and i know i'll be seeing you online and chatting with you soon thank you it was Great. lovely meeting thank you, you very much thank, thank you yeah. thanks alex fun. and anthony all right well that was quite a fruitful conversation. Got a lot of perspective there. What did you, what is your takeaway? I really love learning about how all the students are already implementing what they're learning and how jazzed they are. And none of it, none of the people that we've had on the show with the program view it as drudgery. They view it as excitement and learning and not just growth from a business aspect, but personal growth. I have to be honest, giving the path that I am taking now personally, 
that excites me the most about these interviews is, is really diving into the personal impact and growth that y'all are getting from it. And there was the Southern, even though I'm not Southern. <laughs> no, I, I uh, God, it's true. And uh, when they were talking about practicality, I could only think of my volunteer work and how it's coming in handy for what we're having to deal with. Um, so much as culture and elevating it and making sure people are happy and feel fulfilled and gratified. And you know what, there's no better time to do this work in the, in, with regard to what's happening in the world anyway, in general, you know, and the, and the great, uh, um, uh, goodness, I just lost the word again. I do this all the time. Uh, people leaving their jobs and, uh, the labor shortage that we're dealing with, but you know, it's and very, I think Todd very... hit on that beautifully, quite honestly. Mm, I really do. Yeah. No time like the present. So that is it for today. Once again, we were talking with uh, students in the SCSU MEM meeting and event management master's cohort and HTM hospitality tourism management master's cohort. And we'll have one of these episodes every month uh, moving on and once again we thank adrian and charlene and todd for joining us if you liked what you hear heard uh even if you didn't like what you heard give us five stars we're worth it i promise you if you're left if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, and if you're listening to us anywhere else please just share us with your friends and continue to listen if you have any comments concerns questions, you can leave them at bolotic.com. Just look for the podcast tab and leave it there. That's it for today. Stay engaging. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. I do.